Okay, so we started a series two weeks ago uh, on the Lord's Prayer, and we got everyone to recite it. We don't want it now just for time, but a lot of us would have said it in school. I said it in school every morning. Uh, it, was, it can become this, uh, and it's never meant to be this dry religious formula, formula that we follow. It's actually meant to be life-giving. And uh, we don't have to wonder how Jesus prayed anymore, because He actually showed us. The disciples came up to him and obviously saw Jesus going off to a secret place, spending time with the Father. Said They were like, what do you pray in those moments? And this is what we're going to learn. We're going to learn what Jesus taught us to pray and how that actually affects our lives. And the series is called Kingdom Come. And, uh, and quite simply, it really is, I must just pause there for a second. I should have written it on my page. Jenny, where is she? We, are, we as an eldership and others have discussed, uh, we need, as the church has been growing and possibly looking at different venues, etc., uh, we're expanding outwards, we've been needing more staff on with us. And we've asked Jenny to come on to staff with us, and she graciously said yes. Just to tell you a little bit about Jenny, she's Swedish, she loves IKEA, and she loves systems. And apparently Sweden just works really well, and we're just hoping she'll bring a bit of Sweden into City Lights, and it'll just make things run smoothly. I, I can see sometimes she arrives here on a Friday, and she's looking everywhere, and uh, I heard her speaking to Natalie, and she goes, she doesn't know what she's got herself into. And she doesn't. We already told her to sign a 10-year contract, so <laughs> it's, it's happening. So really, this is a series on prayer, and for me, Starla's dad... I remember him saying years ago, he said, water is wet and Christians pray. It's just something who we are. It's kind of uh, the, the, the point of, of, of Christianity in, in the gospel sense that God reconciled us back to himself so we can have a relationship with him. He sent his son who died on the cross in our place, became the sacrifice on our behalf, took the sin of the world upon himself so we could again have relationship with God. Along with that, God restores humanity to its original form. We as a community represent something of heaven. And we, we in, a, in a sense, pull the future forward. So we believe that the church is, is part of the kingdom of God. And when we preach the word and when we love in a city and when we see the lost saved, the kingdom is advancing forward. How we act towards one another. We are called to be a model community for the world of what heaven should be like. We're all fallible. We're all human. It's not going to look perfect this side of eternity. But we keep aiming forward. That is our call. So I want to read just quickly before I get into the specifics of this. So if you want to turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 verse 5. We'll read it very soon. But I want to just go quickly cover, I believe, five spiritual disciplines that Jesus had. And... Um, and I've been listening to a guy called John Mark Coma. He's a guy that leads a church in Portland. He is the, the hipster of hipsters type dude, but an incredibly sharp guy. I think he's a year or two older than me. But the intelligence of someone who's been studying his whole life, he's just got a gift. And he, he keeps coming back to these things. And in his community and in his church, he said, if we can get these, he had four, I've added one more. If we can get these things right, what Jesus did, we will see our lives changed, but and the city changed. Um, we, we will be that model community of what God has called us to be. So the first thing is prayer. We're taking notes. It's very simple, basic Christianity 101. Start talking to Jesus. Start talking to the Father. 
however you want to do it, it's not a religious thing. It's about walking and saying, walking with our dad, walking with the king. Jesus would often find a place of solitude and a time of being alone. The Bible does speak about us being inside a cupboard or closing ourselves in and actually closing ourselves out to the rest of the world. Switch our phone off, switch media off and actually engage the king. Spend time with him, get to know him. Simple illustration, if I don't speak to Starla, I'll never know her. If I don't get to know uh, my friends that are in the church, uh, which you all are hopefully, um, I'll never get to know because we don't have conversation. But the more we have conversation with one another, the more we get to know someone. For example, uh, we went with Eric and Kylie this weekend. For a few weeks now, if not months, I walked past him. How are you going, bro? Good. That's it. I walked past him. He walks past me. And he's probably thinking that is the most unfriendliest pastor in the world. But there's, so you, you never really engage. And, I, and my fear sometimes is that at a local church, we can become an airport instead of a place where actually people, an airport is where you go in and out, where actually we're a community. And that's why I encourage you to get to smaller community groups. Because it's the only way to develop friendship. So we go on a trip this, this week. We start hearing something of the story that God has, has placed on their lives. If I didn't spend time with them or take time out or go on a trip with them, I would never have known that about him. And it's the same with God. If we don't take time, physically put it in our diary, the busyness of life, and actually make a moment where we can engage the Father, we never will. Our lives are only going to possibly get busier. Junior, it's good to see you. Junior has planted the church with us, was one of the first few. Can we give him a round of applause? He's a machine. That's just story. I know Junior, so I'm going to bring it back into my preach. We know each other because I spoke to him. Okay. Um, the second thing is scripture reading. And uh, it's simple stuff, guys. Like, and I think so much of our lives and the problems that we face is that we aren't getting these five things right. So scripture reading, God's word is revealed to us through the Old Testament into the New Testament. Uh, there's stuff that we can look at scripture and we're like, I don't like it. And God, in a sense, I don't think he says this, but I want to say, I don't think he cares. God reveals who he is. And the only way we're going to see, often we don't like things about about God that we see in Scripture because it, it offends us and it causes us to change. But that's why we need the Scriptures. Romans 12 says we are changed by the renewing of our minds. The only way we can renew our minds is through, is through getting to know God's Word. Read it. Don't go read a doctrine book first. Go read the Bible through. Underline stuff you don't understand. Um, so the, the, I believe that the word is, is, is the Logos word, but it also can become, an, a, not a Gapa, a Rhema word. It comes alive to you. So when you go read the word, ask the Spirit, God, would you reveal something through this for me today? Sometimes when you're reading through Leviticus, you're like, why is this written in you? It's like, I know you're not meant to pull stuff out of the Bible, but you wish you could just kind of put a little clip that you're just kind of reading through Genesis, Exodus, Numbers and um, honestly, sometimes you read this stuff. But if you understand the the the, the God story and that actually each part is is so vital in in, in God taking a, a pagan in many ways a pagan idol worshiping nation of of Israel and making them serve the one true God Yahweh, it's it's a process that he had to take he had to take the world out of Israel so they can be this called called people on this planet. We are the new Israel. We are the called people. God, before time, knew your name and he, and he pulled you out and he called you out and he put you part of, into his family, the, the larger body of Christ, but also into a local family. Throughout the New Testament, you never see people, Christians, by themselves. Christians are together. 
It's always, it's always this collective community. There's, and then that brings me up to my next point. So it's prayer, scripture reading. Third one is community. Come on a Friday. Week in, week out, whether you feel like it or not, you've got flu. Okay, don't come with flu because you don't want to make everyone else sick. But uh, if you're a little bit sick or, you know, I've had a hard week, just, just get out of bed. Just come. Because there's something about the power of faithfulness and a link with that is get involved in, in a smaller community group of 10, 5 to 10, 15 people where you can actually get to know people by name, know what they like, know what they dislike, and uh, learn more about who God is through one another. Friday gatherings, as I've said, that's number four. Uh, Jesus, uh, the, the, what Jesus modeled always is obviously he read scripture. He, was, he had his 12, and then he had groups of 5,000 at times. But then he'd also go spend time in the temple. So Jesus modeled this thing for us to follow. And then I'd say the fifth thing is service slash minister. Okay, so we get all the first four right, but then we actually, if we don't go out and do something, we become fat Christians. Um, we started a detox. I wasn't going to mention this, but I, just, I feel my mouth just carrying on. Um, and uh, we started a detox two days ago because uh, I've just eaten literally whatever I've seen. I'm just like, ah, done. And um, burgers for breakfast. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad. Almost got that bad. And um, actually, we did have a burger for breakfast. Anyway, beside the point. Um, and uh, I totally lost why I was actually saying that. Yes, okay. So you can either become a big fat Christian if you eat too much. We have to give it out. We have to minister. So serve within the local church. Say, listen, I want to help with the car park. The weather's getting better now. There's more people coming. I can be the one that helps assist with that. You can put your hand up and say, kids ministry. And then outside of that, you are the new covenant follower. You, you are an ambassador of heaven on this earth. So God has placed us all in an area to be an influence in that area. God, he's placed the spirit of God in you. You've got the word of God in you. And you're called to bring a change. I shared a story for those of you who weren't here last week. But I had an amazing experience where I could give a word of knowledge to a lady about her baby. And uh, I said, are you going to have a boy? She said, yes. I th- and I, God just started flooding all these things about his name and what, what he's going to be and what he's going to achieve and all this kind of thing. We are called to be that. That's not the special few. I've been asking God for possibly years for him to walk with me. And then all of a sudden something clicks on. And then I go through Sri Lanka. I'm like, okay, cool, God, you use me there. I'm ready and nothing. And, but I keep trusting. I'm saying, God, would you speak to me? Would, you, would I be the agent of change wherever I find myself? So to say all of that, I just needed to give that as an introduction, is that we're going to be focusing on prayer. And I think it is the vital lifeline of everything, of who we are and what we do. And um, Trav, do you want to come up here quickly? I want to use you as an illustration. Travis has glasses. And they are great glasses. But if he takes them off, do you want to take them off? Are you like almost blind? (laughs) I hear you, but I don't see you. (laughs) And uh, so when he puts them on, it changes his view. Thank you. You may sit down. Let's just give him a round of applause. And I feel like that's what, what we're doing now as we look through the Lord's Prayer is that it's recalibrating, it's, it's realigning, it's, it's in a sense putting God's lenses on about ourselves, about who He is and what we're called to worship and how we're called to worship Him. Cool, let's read. Matthew 6 verse 7. Now let's just go 
Okay, let's do verse 5. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. And we're going to be unpacking what that means, but I'm just going to do a simple line today and it's hallowed or hallowed. I don't know why I keep saying wed. Hallowed be your name. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a common word. I don't think I've ever said it other than the Lord's Prayer. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to hello that guy. And it's, someone came to me before the meeting. He says, I always thought it meant something about hello, God, you know. And uh, no, it's not that, although it does sound very close. Um, it's actually, it comes from a, an old English word, which I'll get to now, which never used anymore. And it's amazing that even the ESV and the NIV still uses it. It's, it's to treat something as sacred and ultimate. That's... As it's, it's almost as if uh, the word holy, which is an adjective, could become a verb. It's, it's, it kind of changes. Uh, we, we make God holy. We, 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 or God is holy. But we honor Him for who He is. And we hallow Him. We, we, we lift Him up in the highest place in our lives. And it's amazing that Jesus starts at this place. He starts, first of all, with Father which I think is the greatest revelation of the Lord's Prayer, that we can come to a Father in Heaven who loves us. And, um, and then it says, in Heaven, which kind of brings this pendulum effect. And it says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. I need to get that right. Hallowed be your name. And it's, it really is just, it's, it's again placing God on the highest pedestal. That He alone stands in His own category. He's utterly perfect. The Bible says there's no sin in Him. I want to read it. It says, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in Him. Psalm 92, 15. God is utterly perfect. Utterly stands alone. Did not have to engage with humanity after they broke the commandment and sin. Did not have to come in, into your life or my life and actually chase after us with His Word, with people, with situations until we actually repent before Him. He didn't have to do that. But He did. And it's an incredible, gracious Acts of God. Philippians 2 9 says, 2, 9, 2 verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Think of the Burj even higher. Think of, uh, you go thousands of kilometers above that. It, and it's not so much height, but it's, it's the name that rules over every other name. Um, I've got a bit of feedback here. I think it might be these front speakers. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's very interesting. We'll figure out what that is. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, God has placed in us 
um, an ability to praise. And so often our praise is misdirected. And even in our prayers, like, and uh, I, th- I think so often we come, we come to God, first we, for- we ask for forgiveness, then we come with our needs. That's not how Jesus taught us to pray. He says we come, we come to God, He's this loving, accepting Father. We hallow His name. We worship Him. We honor Him as Lord. He, he is, and we remember and we remind ourselves who He is and who we are. And we, he, as much as God calls us close, God is utterly perfect. He is utterly in another realm, but yet He engages with us through His Son. So I've got three quick points. First of all, the necessity of praise. Number one, the necessity of praise. Praise will happen whether we like it or not. William Temple says this, your religion is what you do with your solitude. That's very impacting. I'm going to say it again because I feel like we didn't get it. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. So what you do in secret, what you daydream by yourself is actually what you worship. So do you sit back and think about finances, worry about the future? Um, do you sit and think about, I'm going to buy this car next? Do you sit and think about food? Do you, whatever it is, whatever, because when, when Jesus says, come, come, come into the room by yourself to a place of solitude and spend time with me, what do we, what do we retreat to in our, in our times of solitude? Is it God first or is it something else? And we live in an age where our phones are full of stuff and we can just get onto Facebook, get onto Instagram, get onto this busyness and, and actually miss out on this, this, this key part about praising and hallowing God's name first. Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We need to have that lonely place. Praise is going to happen whether we like it or not. And I think we need to train ourselves. This is not for me to come put a, a, a heavy on you because I'm as guilty as anyone else. So many times I plan to be alone with God and it's just something else comes in my phone. I've had to learn to switch my phone off, put it on silent, do, do things that we take the distraction out where I can actually solely focus on Him. Often we only pray... So imagine you've retreated and you're thinking about your family, whatever. Often we only pray when those things that we most, actually are most precious in our hearts are in jeopardy. So we, all of a sudden things are tough. Your prayer life is just shot up. When things are going well, we retreat to the place where things, where, where we dream about our future. And, and I want to challenge us as a community to say, what, what is in your solitude? What is in the quiet place? What, is, what happens when no one's watching? Is it, is it me genuinely trying to find and seek the Father, or is it me thinking about a million other things? My wife is amazing. I'm allowed to say that. She, often I walk into the room, she's got the, the music on, worshiping, folding stuff. She, and I know, and I've learned from her, that her place of solitude is God. And I know if she doesn't have that, she's, she doesn't have anything. And I think we need it. God often wants us to bring us to that place where praise is everything. Second thing, the importance of praise in our lives. And it's amazing that Jesus lines it up like us. He goes, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. That comes almost kind of towards the end. And I think we need to learn when we start to hallow God first, when we start to lift Him up first, 
our desires, our problems, I've got to check, our problems and our petitions become less and less. I remember hearing a story uh, about Tim Keller, and he said he preached this uh, in one of the first churches that he, that, he, that he led. And lady came to him afterwards, a couple of weeks later, and said, listen, my life is utterly changed. And he goes, what happened? He says, you've, you've taught me how to pray. Is that I used to go to God with a list of problems, and I would still leave the prayer time thinking God hasn't answered. But he says, you taught us to hallow first, to worship first, to honor God as king first, to be thankful first. And as I got to the, the, almost the third or fourth part of the prayer, I realized that, that the, the petitions, the, that the needs that I have is, is, is nothing for this magnificent Father in heaven. It's easy for him. And, and the problems that I was having is easy for God to sort out. So she said she'd, she'd be able to take her prayers, leave it in Jesus' lap, in his hands, and be able to walk away anxious free. And the Bible does clearly speak about anxiety. It says here in, in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And so often I think we, can, we, we, we get bogged down and we don't leave prayer in a place of peace because we actually haven't learned how to hallow God first. We haven't learned how to put Him in the, His rightful place that when we actually get to what we need, we like, God, you can take care of this thing. I also remember hearing a story of a, of a guy who, uh, he, he had an affair, um, and uh, it's another pastor of another church, and uh, he, had, he had an affair, and he was just walking through with this pastor, and uh, he ended up, his wife forgave him, he confessed his sin, the Bible's clear that if we confess, there can be restoration, and he confessed his sin, and uh, things started to work out. His wife forgave him, and he'd sit down with his pastor. He said, listen, I can't forgive myself. And the, the, the pastor looks at him and says, actually, you've got an adoration problem. You, you, you think you're being humble, but it actually turned out that, if I get the story correct, that his family held sexual sin in like the highest point, that if you did that, you're almost like rejected from, from the family. So he put his family's opinion above who God is. And God is a God that, he, that forgives. When we've messed up at our absolute worst, God comes in to, with a heart that is repentant before him and he, and he comes and he forgives us and he changes us. And I think we need to get that, our adoration right. If we... If we, if we meditate on who God is and how big He is and what He's done, the little problems that we face in our day-to-day lives become smaller and smaller because God is faithful. I love Rom's story today. God is faithful. Sometimes we, in a journey of just waiting for God to break through, and we just keep holding on to Him because we know that He is faithful to who He is and He is faithful to His Word. I love uh, if the Greek word for prayer throughout the New Testament is prosiaxomai. Prosiaxomai. But basically it means this. It means an exchange. Star, do you want to come here? Okay, I'll take this as my problem. You can, take, can you stand up here? When I come to God... And this is even around the whole anxiety thing. I come to God, I hallow His name, and I, I honor Him, I love Him. But then it says that prayer is an exchange. So I give, imagine Stala is God. Well, she's, she's a goddess. Um, but uh, that's beside the point. And, uh, and then God gives me back, and it even says, it says here that it's a switching of our human ideas for divine faith. You can may take a seat. Thank you. Prayer is, is an exchange for our 
problems for God's peace. I love what it says here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Who carries some burdens here? Family, life. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and, my burden, uh, and the burden I give to you is light. We need to learn to yoke ourselves with Jesus. And in the old days, they had oxen would have a yoke across their necks and uh, they would go plow the field. And it's almost like the picture is that if we just become like the second ox, Jesus is doing like 99% of the work. We just need to walk alongside him and he brings rest to our hearts. And then the third point is this, the pendulum of praise. Now we know a pendulum kind of swings one way, swings the other. And it even starts, if you look, it says, Our Father... And if we just stayed on that point, it would be amazing and enough, and we could live off that for the rest of our lives. But the Bible swings it back. It says, our Father in heaven. So not only is this good, think of the best Father in the earth. God is way better. And uh, it swings to the point where he actually, if, if I think fathers, they want the best for their children. My, my dad wanted the best for me. Stalla's dad wanted the best for his. He, he would fight for it. He would sacrifice. He would give. These are good fathers who made a way for their children. But yet you have this father in heaven who's actually able to fulfill every promise. When God looks over your life, he sees the best. He sees uh, an incredible future. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tough times. That is part of it. That is living this side of eternity. But God sees the absolute best over our lives. We also see the pendulum effect at the cross. That how that you have this incredibly loving God, but also this incredibly just God. He's loving because he sent his only son, Jesus, willingly gave up his life. That is because of love. Jesus said he, he could see through the cross to the other side because of, of what was going to happen afterwards. But then there was this, this, the, just, the justness of God, that, that there had to be punishment for sin that, that uh, there, was the, there was, is the wrath of God. These are, things, these are areas of God that millennials, my kind of age group and younger, don't like. We like a God that's relational and a father and all this stuff, but uh, don't come to me with the other side of God, that God is actually, He is God and He is in charge. And we need to have a real a big view of who God is. In the New Testament, it's revealed that He is a father, but we can only approach Him as father because of Jesus Christ. Jesus stood in our place. The sin that we were meant to, to actually die for, Jesus stood in our place. And if we accept him as Lord and Savior of our lives, the, the, the wrath and the, the kind of the penalties of sin get wiped away and we are clean and pure before our Father in heaven. It's an immeasurable act of grace. Not only does God reveal himself, and God could have just had a, a Bible that just reveals who he is, but he actually came and dwelt among, amongst us. He was the incarnate God. He, he dwelt and he lived amongst us. And then just quickly, just about something about the name of God, and then we'll come to an end in the next two, three minutes. Exodus 20 verse 7 says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, I, I grew up in the church, and that was basically mean don't, don't say a profanity. Don't swear, and you're like, oh my word, something drops out there. You're like, what happened? I, I, it, it, it kind of gets put into that category, but it's, that's not the ultimate thing. What this actually mean is this. 
is that we take the Lord's name in vain and we use it for our own selfish acts. Perfect example of this, Nazi Germany, 1939 and 1945. It started before that with Hitler and, uh, uh, and all, I can't remember all the names. But anyway, the, the, just that absolute atrocity that six million Jews were killed, countless others were killed, and they used to wear on their belts, God with us. And that for me is just an absolute, it's, it's an abomination. And I think that's what the Bible God's name is, is meant to be revered. It's meant to be holy. It's meant to be held in high esteem. And there was a perfect example of what they did. Abraham Lincoln says this, Pray that God is on our side. So pray not that God is on our side, that, but, but that we are on God's side. Some of us watch football matches, Arsenal. Uh, we watch rugby matches, South Africa. Um, I'm South African, so obviously I support South Africa. We need a lot of prayer, but God doesn't hear those prayers. I'm like, it's cool that everyone prays at the end and all that stuff, but you know, I think God, is, God likes that we enjoy watching a bit of competition. Okay. I just want to clear that up. If you think God's on your team, He's on everyone's team. So I just want to read a few scriptures. Uh, Tanesh, were we able to get those up, that picture? Okay, don't worry. And I actually like you to stand as I read this because I think there's something powerful about declaring the name of Jesus. Mario, would you mind playing a few tunes? Acts 4 verse 12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. John fourteen thirteen. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says this, uh, And that it was some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Luke ten seventeen. The 72 returned, and they said with, uh, with joy, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and, he, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One more. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is, uh, if you look at the Old Testament, God had, I think there were... I don't know the exact list, but I've got a list of about 15 here. These Old Testament names of God where God revealed His character and who He was. And it's El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. El Elyon, the, the God Most High. Adonai, the Lord, the Master. Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Je- Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is there. And we need to study these things and understand that God is with us. And that was all revealed in Jesus Christ as He came to this earth and He inaugurated a kingdom. So everything we need in our lives is found in Jesus. Can we bow our heads together?